Ah, welcome back to Fishing Without Bait, where we're continuing our conversation with our guitar virtuoso, Tim Vitula. I noticed that on some of the jams when you were on stage at uh, the Moonshadow Theater, mm-hmm. that uh, your band followed you very nicely. Yeah, yeah. It's our our motto that that we've coined this year, and and I think I think it's a good one, and it'll stick. Is uh, big ears, small egos. Ah. So it it really is a. Uh, if somebody has a good idea, you know, make sure you're you're listening so that you can catch it, and then and then roll with it. You know, don't walk into the room thinking, "Hey, I always am going to have the best idea," or "I'm the band leader, so therefore everything I say is going to be the best thing." And that's that's what's fun for me is showing up, um, and I'm really lucky to have talented people that that play with me that come in with awesome ideas that I would never come up with. Does everyone there on your band feel that they have a voice at the table, Tim? I think so. Yeah. Yeah, and I I try to do a or or make an effort to collect feedback. Um, you know, throughout the years, there's definitely I brought in songs that I appreciate. You know, the band has said like, you know, hey, not your best. <laughs> that's that's not one that that we think really is going to go uh, or that that we're going to be able to help out or things like that. Well, one of the true means of someone who is wise is to be able to accept constructive suggestions you could call it criticism yeah how did you handle that early on in your career um early on it was kind of nice and this was one benefit of starting young is that you just you're so young and so many people are have so much more experience it's really easy to take their feedback Mm -hmm. just because you're you're not peers at all you know they've been performing for decades and have you know all these accolades and acclaim and people are fans so that was really fun and and really cool that those people would take time to you know talk to me as a young musician um as i've gotten older i think it's it's it takes just a, a level or take some time to maybe get some feedback and then you step back from it and maybe a day or two later once it's kind of churned around in your brain a little bit like oh i get it i see where I see what they were trying to say, or, or maybe it's watching the show back on video, watching what you did and having that kind of rattling around in your brain while you're doing it. How did it feel the first time you heard of your recorded voice or your recorded guitar playing played back to you? Guitar playing was was easy um, just because like, I'm hearing it as a spectator out of the speaker. Recorded voice was very hard just because what, what you hear of yourself is not what everybody else yes. hears in your head. So that took a little bit of getting used to. And also like something that was really hard for me as, as a part of that, like growing up with uh, classic rock and blues records and jazz records and things like that. I mean, I, you know, my, my favorite band is Led Zeppelin. Mm-hmm. I mean, Robert Plant is one of the greatest rock singers to ever live. I mean, it, n- no one else will have that voice. It's so unique and, and all of those and all those great singers. That was kind of the hallmark of those genres, just so virtuosic and so accomplished. Um, it really took getting older and almost, you know, in college, not that I got tired of it, but just had listened to those records so much. So often I was looking for something else to listen to, something new to keep learning and keep growing and listening to more um, people who didn't have those amazing voices helped me to build some confidence of like, um, you know, okay, I, I can do it too. You know, if Bob Dylan can do it, I can do it too. And Neil Young. Yeah, yeah, and all these, I, I call them, uh, good bad singers <laughs> so I, you know these people who don't have these traditionally 
you know, beautiful voices, but make however make their their whole their whole ball, their whole present, their whole package is something unique. Yeah, and I think I think even like the timber of it aside, the the delivery is so honest and so sincere in what they're doing. I, I mean, you have no choice but to listen and believe it. And I know, like with like harder rock music or punk music or things like that, like that's a hundred percent. You know, the intention is so so deliberate and sincere and and honest um the the timber of it is almost recently i don't know if you went down there but at the carnegie science center here in pittsburgh there was a guitar exhibit i've, I've been meaning to go we've been traveling a bunch this summer and thankfully i've had a lot of gigs but it's it's on my list it yeah it was quite impressive mm-hmm. so of those guitarists who are some of the people that you admire yeah um i mean again zeppelin was so huge i i really i remember there was a time like I, you know, just studied Jimmy Page just so, um, so deeply, uh, you know, you could, there was probably a time when I was younger, you could have like blindfolded me and I could have played like Zeppelin two, like yeah. front to back, just that, that's how many times I played along with that, those records. Um, and I love that. And that really opened up the door, you know, kind of going from like the harder rock, the, the ACDC, the, the Sabbath, the, that Metallica, that kind of stuff into Zeppelin. And finding out all that stuff was really blues influenced. And my favorite songs by those artists were the ones that really drew deeply from that, kind of chasing that back um, to guys like B.B. King and Freddie King and Albert King and and into that whole world. Um, you know, those records were really informative um, and helpful to me. And some guy, you know, he he kind of didn't come out that way, but the bridge to help kind of do that as well or, or to kind of bring that into the modern world, a guy like John Mayer, who, you know, kind of came out as pop singer songwriter. I remember yes. we used to make fun of him. Uh-huh. You know, it's like a teenage boy, you're like, eh, posh, you know, that's kind of girly. Um, but then he kind of had his whole blues renaissance and and showed his hand that, hey, that's where I came from too. Um, and really helped forge that. So the, the, all those influences. And then that kind of, after like really going deeply into blues for a while, you know, the, the phrase I used is with jazz, I, I wanted my blue to be a little more purple. Mm. Um, and similarly to that, the bridge to that for me. I like that phrase, Tim. I yeah. want my blue to be a little more purple. A little more purple. Um, and the, the doors to kind of open that up were uh, guys like Dwayne Allman and Jerry Garcia. Uh, and that kind of opened the world for me into the heavily improvised. Uh, well, when you were thinking about John Mayer at first glance, that's something in my world, which we would call fundamental attribution error where we automatically attach some type of valuation or judgment onto something just on the, on the surface. It's like you see somebody traveling down the highway at 95 miles an hour, sweeping in and out of traffic. Mm-hmm. A person will think, well, that person must be crazy without knowing any of the context yeah. behind it. So when you think of uh, when, let's say, the standard person on the street thinks of uh, Roy Clark or Glenn Campbell, what's the first thing that comes to their mind? I'm sure they're thinking, yeah, just... Uh Great country, country, country yahoos, yeah, yeah. You know, hee-haw, mm-hmm. uh, those type of things. I've watched Glenn Campbell playing a 12-string guitar along with Roy Clark. It was unbelievable. Yeah, both amazing. What did you? He, his Glenn Campbell's great. His whole thing. He was part of the Wrecking Crew, like doing session yes. work, and then they said, "Hey, yeah, Glenn, we think we can give you a career." Have you watched? There's a documentary about his battle with uh, Alzheimer's. No. It, it was on Netflix or something, but that was what was so amazing is uh, it was basically his farewell tour. And I remember like the year it was going on. I wasn't really, I hadn't found country music yet since have, you know, and appreciate all his artistry. Um, 
but I was aware that he was doing a farewell tour and maybe they propped him up at the Grammys or something like, Oh, Glenn Campbell's here. But, uh, the documentary talks about how he's, he's experiencing dementia and, and having to get up there and perform. And it's really nice. His, his family was his band. His kids were Uh, part of it. So they were really supportive and helping him, but you know, he would, it, it would be so cool. There's a, there's a scene in there where he, you know, is forgetting the words and he can't remember the words to songs that he wrote and has been playing. But then it comes to the guitar break and it's like, he's, you know, 20 something years old and it's just, it's, it's lodged in that part of his brain. That's not affected. His at all. technical ability was awesome. Yeah. It's, it's, it's so amazing. And just the, the, to watch that, like to see the connection he had to that instrument. When I was uh, watching your performance at Moonshadow. I noticed on one of the songs you were more of doing the Peter Frampton Wawa stuff. Oh yeah, yeah. I he's I've seen Peter Frampton live more than any other artist, yeah. completely by accident. I love Peter Frampton, so it's not to say like I didn't want to be there ever, but yeah, I I I think he's a an amazing amazing guitarist, and I think it's really his story is a very interesting one, and just kind of he is an incredibly serious musician and had a, a great career with Humble Pie before he went solo. And then uh, recently listened to an interview with him where he talked about the fallout after um, Frampton Comes Alive kind of slid back down the charts. Yes. And not being able to recapture that and, and what that was like for him emotionally and, and physically. Um, yeah, and just how it, it's so cool having seen him later in life and to see him really loving performing as, as a, you know, an elder statesman of rock and roll. It, to, to have battled and come back from that difficult situation is really inspiring i got a chance to see him on his farewell tour cool excellent yeah he, he, his technical ability was unsurpassed yeah but he knew that his time was limited mm-hmm. as far as his the ability to his dexterity with his hands yeah yeah because he has some sort of degenerative yes. disease. um yeah and I, I follow him on social media and yeah it's just it seems like he really is he he's found a way to to make joy a regular part of his life or at least it appears that way so we were talking earlier, Tim, and this factor in everybody's life. When you're not as well received as you expected to be, even though you're performing your best. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, very tough. Um, I think that's the that's it's really hard to not get that positive feedback or at least any kind of energy. Um, like that's always those are always the hardest shows. Even if a crowd didn't like you and like we're booing, at least they're they're kind of engaging with you and giving you some kind of energy, or they're heckling you, or what have you. Um, you're at least like, there. You know, the neurons are firing. The hardest ones are those silent gigs when you know, and to no fault of anybody's, maybe they just want to sit and listen. They don't want to clap or they don't want to cheer or sing along or anything like that. Um, and that that's really hard to like to put yourself out there and get no response back from anybody to to it it's easy to fall down that slope of what you're doing is to me like is worthless or not meaningful or not important that these people don't even deign to give it a bad response we speak at a lot of uh, rehabs and different types of 12-step meetings and one of the most uh disconcerting things is when the audience seems disinterested mm-hmm. you see them looking at their watch you see them looking at the sky and uh it, it makes you wonder what's wrong with me. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it's, as I've gotten older, I've definitely, 
I've learned because we do play a lot of those gigs or or you know that's that's just how those venues operate. There's usually one or two, you know, out there who you can tell if you're kind of keeping your eyes up that are they're either kind of grooving a little bit in their seat or you know they're cheering along or they're clapping or they're you know yelling up to the stage and and I think that's always the important thing for me to remember like hey if I showed up and there were a hundred people there and 99 of them didn't really get anything but one person did it's like hey I did my job I I affected one person well that's addressing the positives in your life and uh, normally we have we have sticky minds Tim and the negative things seem to stick. Mm-hmm. But we have to be able to address the positives and make those active choices to recognize and celebrate those positives. Yeah. So tell us something about the positive moments in your career. Yeah, I've, I've been blessed. I've had so many cool, cool moments. Um, yeah, and just continue to. It's been really great. Um, I mean, just, you know, in the past couple of years, the amount of travel, I mean, the band I'm in now, you know, my band, Tim Petula band. Um, yeah, we've, we've had the opportunity to play in, you know, 13, 14 different states regularly. Um, you know, people buy our, our stuff and wear our shirts. It, it's kind of funny if we play in a different city. I've, I've had some friends who live there. You know, it doesn't happen often, but every once in a while they'll be at a concert and they'll see somebody has a Tim Petula band shirt. Ah. It's just like, man, what a, what a cool thing. Like somebody thought enough of you to like, they bought a shirt and it wasn't just like a, hey, let me help you put money in the tank and I'm going to, you know, wax my car with it. You know, it actually like meant something to him. Um, and just like the, the incredible artists I've had a chance to share a stage with and support. Yes. So tell us about some of the folks that you've uh, shared the stage with. Yeah. I mean, the, the biggest one always, and it, it's always everybody wants to <laughs> ask about it. Uh, whenever I, I came back after college, um, I played in a blues band and we got to open for BB King yeah. at the Benedum. Um, and I mean, it just, a, personal hero you know they just i've listened to live at the regal so many times and every time it's as captivating as the last were you able to chat with him at all um very briefly unfortunately he was not um it it was his last tour and yeah and it was time Mm -hmm. time for him to probably stop uh doing that just because it he wasn't as he wasn't that everything you've heard tell of him uh, and scene of him on stage he yeah it was a little bit different but uh, still very cool all the same and uh, i mean again it, it's it, it's it's such a strange thing if if you don't do it regularly and i don't and really haven't uh, very much since to walk out on a stage and it's completely dark because the lights are so bright and there's no lights out in the audience it's just a, a wall of black and then you play you know and then all of a sudden, you know, you, you have no idea who, how many people are out there. And just to like hear that roar of like 300 uh, plus people after you just played a song, it's just like you kind of like get blown back a little bit because you had no idea what to expect. And it's for people who've never performed on a stage and in that experience. What is it like, Tim? You were talking about seeing into blackness. Most people would probably think that they could see the audience members. Yeah. Yeah. It's and that and that's such a, a surreal thing. We talk about practice again. That's every stage is so different. Um, and that's really like getting better or like we, we'd say like, you know, be a pro is kind of the, the thing is just being prepared so that no matter what gets thrown at you, you know, you're able to get up and do what you do best. And, and so how did you develop your stage presence? 
Uh, slowly, <laughs> and I'm still developing it. Okay, good. Um, yeah, I think it's 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 always been a uh, when I was younger, definitely uh, emulation for sure. Like my favorite guitar players, I wanted to hold my guitar, you know, at the height they did, and things like that. Um, and as I've gotten older, and you know, dare say wiser, you know, kind of try different things or exposed to different things and find that they work better for me or make me more comfortable or I'm able to do different things that I think are better. So I'm, I'm able to say, well, just cause my favorite guitar player does that doesn't mean I have to. Um, I think that the thing that I really like and, and the songwriters that influence me, they're, they're very honest and very not plain, but it's, Hey, I want to let the music speak for itself. Um, so it's less of a character. I'm definitely a little more, um, not manic or, but, but like vivacious. Like there's, there's more energy that I'm trying to put out there whenever we do it. Um, you know, so it's not a calm conversation like this. I'm unsure as to whether confidence precedes presence or presence precedes confidence. I think it's cyclical. It's, it's a feedback cycle. It's, you know, you try something new, uh, because you feel confident enough to, to put that out there. And, you know, if you get, you get that feedback from it and you're able to capture people and, and it, it stokes that similarly, you know, you feel confident to do something and uh, it doesn't work. Well, developing presence and confidence is applicable in most every aspect of life, Tim. Yeah. Whether you're doing what people do, whether you're a cashier or whether you're a CEO of a Fortune 500 company. Absolutely. And that's something as I've gotten older, like I, I, I think people would be surprised to find, like only recently am I getting comfortable as a public speaker um, to like stand in front of people and present something and, and do that because I think the natural assumption would be, well, you're on stage all the time. Uh, why, why wouldn't you be? You know, it's, it's the same and it's very different just... Yeah, I have confidence to play guitar, but not confidence to do that. And I think, again, just getting older and doing it and trying to find out how can I share those skills and, you know, come up with an approach to, to be, to carry myself in, in front of other people. We'll be back next week with our continuing conversations with our intriguing guest, Tim Vitola. And at the ever, and at the every, oh my. And at the end of every podcast, we offer a free prescription, fruits, nuts, and vegetables, and unplug your TV, and take up fishing. And for a truly mindful experience, we suggest that you fish without bait. Do a kindness for yourself and do a kindness for another. Forgive yourself and forgive another. Make beautiful choices and invite joy into your life. Until all are free, until all are free, none are free. Namaste. Please check out our website at fishingwithoutbait.com, where you can listen to the show, comment on our discussions, and find out where you can subscribe to our podcast. If you're interested in flying the colors of Fishing Without Bait, click the shop icon on our website. We have clothing, mugs, cell phone cases, and so much more. Show the world that you fish without bait. This show is a member of the Sorgatron Media Podcast Network. Find out more at sorgatronmedia.com.